0: I am speaking directly to this section of college people today because they're in the, the time of their lives where this is really a prominent question. I'm talking to these young people as they're on the cusp of getting there because they're just behind them and it's gonna, they're going to get there before they know it, won't they? They're going to be over here. They're going to be moving sections before they even know it, I'm talking to some maybe who are thinking about changing their occupations. Is there anybody who who thinks they're you know they're just considering? If your boss is here, don't raise your hand. But is there anybody here that might be close to changing your job somewhere? Anybody close? Okay, there's some of you like that. It's <laughs> and then and then you've got a whole section of older people that are like, "What has this got to do with me?" And I'll tell you what it's got to do with you. There's never been more anxiety and angst over what they're going to do in their careers that people ask themselves than there is right now. One of the most intense anxieties of young people is what am I supposed to be doing And they need to hear from their grandparents and they need to hear from their parents. Maybe you've got, maybe you're retired. Maybe you've got a job that you know you're going to retire in. You're like, this this passage has very little to do with me directly because I've already decided and I've already lived it and all that. But listen, there are young people coming behind you that need to hear what you have to say about this. Because the world is giving them a message that is not the message they need to hear about this. And Paul speaks up to it. And for many of you, again, it's going gonna, it's gonna to feel like it just has no bearing on me. But listen, you need to hear what it has to say. It's about what we're going to do. I want you to look at First Thessalonians 4 with me, verses 1 and 2. He says, Brothers, we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and please God, just as you're doing, that you do so more and more. He said, I want you to know, I I want to repeat this. I've already told you this, but I want to repeat this. This is the kind of life that pleases God, and you can walk with him, right? Okay, then he goes on to talk about sexual immorality, which we already talked about. And this is his second topic, begins in verse 9, but it still has to do with Paul reminding them of what he's already said. You ought to walk in a way that's pleasing to God. And then he says in verse 9, turns to a different topic. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. You yourselves have been taught by God in the gospel through the Holy Spirit to love one another. For that indeed is what you're doing for all the brothers throughout Macedonia. You guys are doing this in spades. But we urge you, brothers, do it more and more. And it almost... In most versions, English, we'll put a period here and go on and talk about something else in verses 11 and 12. The Greek won't let you do that. This is all the same topic. And to aspire to live quietly, mind your own affairs, to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may be able to walk properly before outsiders, be dependent on no one. He's talking about be engaged in your occupation as a loving gesture toward one another. All right, so here's what we're going to talk about this morning. What should I do as a job? What job should I take? It seems like, oh man, if you're, again, if you're in a job right now, you're just like, I don't know what this has to bearing with me. Paul ha- wants us to have a good Christian ethic of your work, of your occupation, because here's the deal, guys a large portion of your life is going to be spent in your work. So it needs to be brought under the dominion of your faith. It needs to be brought under the lordship of Christ. And that's a reflection of your identity. Now, in verse 12, we're gonna back at the beginning, we're gonna start at the end. I'm gonna give you all this instruction so that. Do you see that in verse 12? So that. And he gives them the two parameters. First one, think evangelistically. Evangelistically. Your job is. You need to consider as a part of your mission as a Christian. You need to do your job in a way that if outsiders are watching you, they're impressed by how your faith impacts how you work. The way you go about it and what you do and your attitude and the, and the way you treat other people. All of this is evangelistic. Outsiders need to be given no excuse in how you do your work for not believing in your convictions. Don't give them a reason in your slack of work to not be impressed with your faith. That's evangelistic. Number two is ecclesiastical. a fancy word which means the church. Don't be dependent on the church. Don't let the church have to put you up. Don't have the church have to support you so that it can't support someone else. You, instead, work so that not only are you not a burden to the church, but you're a contributor. You need to be an absolute contributor to the work of the church, so you need to be a person who witnesses for the church, and how you do your work, even how Chris goes to McDonald's every day and does his work, is serious business to the Christian life. Now, all of that doesn't really give you specifics. Paul's going to give them, and I'm going to help you with this because we're, we're going to hear that. you're going to hear from the world. You need to find an occupation uh, that is prestigious. You need to make lots of money, and you need to make sure that you can support everything. All that stuff is what you hear from the world. F- pick a major where you can make lots of money. What happens if you pick a major where you can make lots of money, but you hate what you do? You spend your entire life hating what you do. I've known people do this. They'll go and work at a metal factory, especially in Blytheville when you're in Kennet. That's where they make the most money, right? You can go and you can put in a... A crazy number of hours make lots of money and start buying things on credit and you are forcing yourself to keep this job to fund this life and you hate every moment of it but you can pay the bills if you call that successful and joyful you go ahead and do that but I'm going to tell you Paul says there are other things to consider when it comes to living your faith in your work life and I want to give them to you number one this is really from verses one and two You should have a job that allows you to please God. You should have a job that allows you to please God. This probably doesn't eliminate a whole lot of things, but it has a whole lot to do with your manner. It's not revolutionary. Any job done by a Christian can be done to honor God, nearly any job. But if you cannot be honest and live a life of integrity while holding your position, you need to change positions or not take it. If you can't please your employer while also pleasing God at the same time, then you need to choose a different occupation or not take it at all. Are you able to bring God great pleasure by the job that you do? This is not about working in order to please God. This is about bringing God pleasure in the way that you represent him as you go about your job. And there are some jobs this eliminates. If you're a drug dealer, I'm talking about Julia uh, Bristow here, and I'm not talking about Wiley Stanley. I don't mean that. I mean an illegal, yet you can make a great living. That thing everybody says, make sure that you make lots of, oh, you can make lots of money doing that, but I'm pretty sure you can't please God by doing that. And I've heard people make the arguments. I sat down with a guy who owns a liquor store one time, and I said, I don't get it. I don't get how in the world you can be pleasing to God while selling this stuff to people. You know it hurts their lives. And, and maybe he, ma- he tried to make an argument. He said, I can be a Christian. Now, there's one thing I can't do. I can't be evangelistic at this. But I can still be a Christian and do this. I was like, I don't see how you can be a Christian when you can't be evangelistic while you're doing your job. It makes no sense to me. I don't see how you can be a stripper and do this. I don't see how you can be a person on internet pornography sites. I'll be, oh, the money's great. Yeah, you can be a professional escort, but really, is that pleasing to God? I'm pretty sure the answer to that is no. Now, here's the funny thing. You're saying, well, that's obvious. No, it isn't anymore. This is not obvious anymore. There is a connection between the faith that you embody and the work that you do. And if it can't continue, if you have to disengage with God to engage in your employment, that's a job you don't need to have. You don't need to have it because it's a central part of who you are. A bartender? I just don't see it, y'all. Now, there might be people making arguments. But here's the number one thing he says, you ought to be able to live in a manner that's pleasing to God while you go about your job. Now the question is, can you do that with the occupation you have? That's number one. Number two, you'll see in verses nine and 10 and then into 11, it's you should have a job that benefits other people, not just you. It doesn't just support your lifestyle, but it has some kind of, it's, it has some kind of connection to serving other people. God kind of wants that. The job he gave Adam in the beginning of creation I want you to take care of this world and then I'm going to bring you a wife. God seemed to think that you needed to have a job before you have a wife. Let me say that again. God seemed to think that you need to have a job before you have a wife. Dads, what do you think? You think that's true? I kind of think that's true, right? And so, but he said it was to take care of the earth. That was, that was Adam's job and it was to be constructive and beneficial to other people. And the more conscious and the more clear in your mind about the value of your work and the lives of other people benefiting from it can motivate and fuel your motivation to do that work. There's nothing like it. Now, every job in some way does this. Martin Luther used to say even the street cleaner can bring glory to God and benefit the world, and he can. If you've been along a street that's really nasty and you can't get your way through there without busting up your tires and all 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 that stuff can be bad, but somebody comes along and starts it, they're doing something that allows you to be mobile and also makes the creation a little cleaner. That may seem weird, but it's true. Teachers have it difficult right now, but there is no question at all. It may be in their minds sometimes. There's no question. The work they do blesses other people, and that's supposed to fuel you. The fourth through sixth grade youth rally last week, the youth minister from Batesville was here with his wife and his kids, and that son of his, great kid, was at Caruso with me, did a great job, and he was so helpful. Everywhere you went, He helped us with stuff. Wasn't asked at all. And when we were here at the end of that fourth or sixth grade youth rally, everybody was about to leave. He was picking up chairs and rolling tables back into the area where we store them. And I thought, what a weird kid, 14, 15 years old. He wasn't asked. This isn't his church. If you ever want to see the church empty out, just start picking up the chairs. People leave in droves, and all of a sudden, nobody's here. But he didn't. He was putting up chairs, and I went up to his mama, and I said, Man, what a helpful kid. Yes, he's very helpful for others. She said, I get that all the time, but I can't get him to take out the trash at home. Does anybody have this phenomenon happen at your house? When your kids go to somebody else's house, they're so polite and they're so helpful, and their parents brag to you about your kid, and you're like, who are you describing? Right? You know why it's that way? It's so much, it fuels you, it motivates you when what you do blesses others, whereas if it's just your house, meh. When you have a job that blesses other people and touches other lives, there's something really good about that. There's something really, really good about that. Next one. I want you to see it in verse 11. It's a little strange. There's a couple of ways to interpret verse 11. I'll give you both of them as we go through here. But verse 11 says, um, to aspire to live quietly to aspire to, you might think that, well, you know, just be quiet and don't bother. No, this is, this is don't be restless. Be contented in what you do. Not restless and distracted Don't be that way. And then he goes on to say, and mind your own affairs. doesn't just mean mind your own business. It means keep your mind on your own stuff. Be engaged mentally in what you do. And then he says, and work with your own hands. Keep your mind and heart and body completely engaged in what you do. I call this, it engages your spirit. I'm totally into this. This is something that I see the value of and it's in my wheelhouse and I want to do it and it it feels like a calling. Y'all believe this language? I know you think I'm going Pentecostal on you. But I believe you can have a job that is a calling that is so near and dear to the passions of your own heart that God put in you that going to work is not a job at all. Do you ever been there? You've heard it said that, right? Get a job that is so much enjoyable to you that it doesn't feel like working at all. And by the way, if that means taking $10,000 less, be willing to do it. That is worth more than a whole lot of money. You won't hear that in a lot of places, but you heard it here. It's in your calling, in your wheelhouse. Look, we got people around here who are like this. I've made a list of them, and then I'll look up and I'll see some. But we got, right now, LeBron's in the hospital, and this church is in dire straits. We are in, we are in trouble. You, you know who's at the helm? Elders. We are in trouble. She'll be out. She'll be back to it. But here's the thing. That woman could probably find a million other things to do that could pay better but she's doing exactly what God designed her to do. It's amazing to watch. I think Randy Carlton is doing exactly what God created him to do, and the satisfaction that must bring. Terry Smith, you ever go out and eat with him? I would encourage you not to, unless it's privately. Everybody in the history of the world of this area since 1820 knows who he is because he's been taking school pictures that long. And when you do that, because of that, he knows the school everybody went to. He may not know their name just right off, but he knows exactly how they smile, and what he said to them to make them smile, what school district they're from. And they know him, and they talk to him, and that is a connection he has that just makes him feel fulfilled. That guy is the most fulfilled guy because he's doing exactly what he was designed to do. Paul Wallace is too. He's a salesman who likes to talk, but nobody has to really work closely with him. That's the secret. <laughs> he just has to call him and leave him alone, right? That, that's the key. I'm doing exactly what I was made to do. I'm convinced of that, only having to work one day a week. That sold me on it. There are people like Amy Floyd. She, I, she was made to be a principal. I don't know if that's true out of the womb or not, but she and she's doing it and she does it well. And I know Julie Bristow. I've, I've talked to her enough about her. It's, it's amazing. When you do this, Matt Horner, if you hear the story of how he came to do what he's doing, I'm telling you, he's doing exactly what God made him to do. And when you're doing that, guys, there's, no, there's nothing like it. It's in your flow. It is absolutely what you were designed to do. And it brings satisfaction. It's so much more than money. And if you can make lots of money doing it, that's even better, Right? It keeps you so completely occupied that you're not distracted and you're not getting in everybody's business because you are completely consumed accurately by yourself. I have a friend who who teaches art in New York, and right now he's doing a mural, a huge mural on the wall. And he says, The day goes like this. I never think of anything else because this is exactly what I was made to do. And because of that, he's not distracted, he's not discontented. He's not running around looking for something else to fill him. He's not bothering anybody else because he's completely in tune to what he's doing. And if you can find a job like that, and listen, even if you have to pay, I'm going to say this again, even if you have to take a little less, so Abby's trying to decide what her major is, right? But she's known what it is since she was in Le Bonheur. So we're in Le Bonheur. They tell her, they tell us, right after, open heart, after the brain surgery, she's going to have to have open heart surgery, and we were all in a funk Emotionally, we were just a mess. I'll cry at the drop of a hat these days. Ever since then, I'm an emotional mess about that stuff. Melissa was too, and we were trying to rally her because Abby was just, it just hit her. Even at a young age, what was going to happen? and She was just, we couldn't reach her. We couldn't do, we just couldn't do it. And so we left the room, and the child life people came in. These people don't get paid much. They're not going to make a million dollars doing this stuff. But they came in, and I don't know what they did because they made the parents you know leave the room. You just need to leave, right? And so we leave the room, and they come in. We come back a couple hours later. And she's a totally different person. And they know what they're doing when they do this stuff. And she said, from that moment to this moment, that's what I want to do, and that's what she's pursuing. And people can tell her that you're not going to make a million dollars at this. I don't care. You are pleasing God. I'm telling you, if you know what we felt, and you know what those people did, and we came back and you were a different person and it changed us, if you can do that for another family, do it. Do it even if you only make 40000 a year. Because when you're in the flow like that, it doesn't even matter. Now, we're going to correct that in just a minute. tell the rest of that story. What I'm telling you, that pleases God. There's no doubt about it. That absolutely, that absolutely blesses other people. That is absolutely in her flow. It is in that flow, that wheelhouse of hers, like many of you are. And there's one last one. Remember you do... Well, let me, let me just pause there for a second. What happens when you're in a spot, maybe you're in college right now and you've got to work other jobs before you get to that one. What happens when you're at a job that loses its esteem to you? It, it becomes just a job. You're doing something along the way to something else because millennials tell me, they, they tell you millennials expect to change jobs every three years. Now, for me, I grew up with a dad who had won all his entire life. I mean, he, he stayed at it for, you know, he got the watch for 35, 40 years, right? And, I, and we, we even talk to kids, what are you going to be when you grow up? As if they're going to be one thing. I'm going to tell you this, they're not going to be one thing. They're going to have several jobs along the way. And even when they get there, they'll switch for different reasons, and that's not bad. I gotta tell you, I I look at that and I go, that's terrible, you need to stick with one place for life. That's how I used to think, but that's not how they think anymore. So, what happens? What happens when you're in a job and it's not your thing? It's not the thing you wanna do for life, but you gotta have it for a while. Because some of us do. There's a couple of things. Number one, don't let your job mean too much to you. Don't let your job mean too much to you. You look to it for your identity. You look to it for everything. It becomes your God. And so how you're doing there and how things are going there is how things are all the time. And you just mirror the the conditions of your job. And listen, it's, it's okay to get some kind of identity. I can't imagine myself anything other than a preacher. I get that. But it can't be just one thing. You can't look to that as your everything. You will burn out. And you will pursue it, looking for more, looking for more. And instead of looking to God for the things you need, you look for your job for it. You do that, it's out of place. You put it on the throne of your life, it becomes an idol, and then you're messed up. Don't let it be that. But don't let it mean too little to you either. It's just what I'm doing to bide my time. It's just what I'm doing to make some money over here. And you'll cut corners, and you'll not have your heart fully invested in it, and you will just do your time, and it would just be kind of like, yeah. It's more important than that. But what happens when you're in that spot and you don't think that it's, your, it's not your thing. It is not the thing that my passions can be engaged in. What if I'm having to work you know, for a summer in landscaping or something? What can I do possibly? That is not my thing, right? Well, I don't know what your job, you have to work at a bank for a while and it's not your thing. What do you do? And there's a couple things you can do. Number one, go back to what we've said already. Make it as clear as possible in your mind how what you do at your job blesses other people. Make it as clear in your mind. Teachers, listen. Used to be everybody'd say, I go into teaching because I love those kids and I want to shape the next generation. Then it became, I went into teaching for June, July, and August. And and most of you go into teaching thinking you're going to shape. A group of people uh, for the future for, for, for years, every year, are gonna have a different class come through. And, and, and they got that in their head. And they, and they need us to remind them. They used to need us to remind them of this come about March, right? Now they need us to remind them about September, right? Because, I mean, you lose track of this. If you lose track about how your, your work and your efforts bless other people, listen, you've got to keep that line very clear in your head. If you don't, you will lose motivation, you'll, use, you'll lose your fuel, you'll lose your passion. There's got to be a connection between what you do and the good it does to other people. Keep that in your own. Number two, infuse it with your own passion. Put something into it. There's got to be something that you can do that makes that job even better. By the way that you do it and you understand that this is representing and reflecting on God. what can I do? No teachers, you can't preach a sermon to your kids or open the Bible and read it to them, but you can teach biblical truths in the way that you embody them and show them encouragement and all these other. You can do that all along the way. You might have to do it yourself because it's not going to be curriculumed into your day. It's not, but it is curriculumed into you and you put yourself into it like that. You have to do some more of the work like that. That's the only way to do it. Last thing, and I promise we'll quit. In Chariots of Fire, anybody seen that movie? Young people, it's a very slow moving movie. Eric Liddell, 1924, he's running that race. In the Olympics, he's supposed to run the 100 meters, but one heat of that 100 meters is on Sunday, and he is a missionary. He serves God, and his convictions will not let him work on Sunday. They won't move the event, so he has to drop out. He enters the 400 meter, and he wins the gold. Here's what's interesting, a line in that movie When he talks about God made me to be a missionary, he says, but God also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. When I run, I feel God's pleasure. Here's my question. When you do physical therapy, when you go to your factory and put in time there, when you teach school, do you feel... God's pleasure. Now, he's running with another guy who is the 400-meter guy. He didn't win anything. His name is Harold Abrams. He's running with him, and here's what he says in that movie. I'm 24. I've never known contentment. I'm always in pursuit, but I don't even know what I'm chasing. When I run, I have 10 seconds to justify my existence. I have to do this to justify that I even exist as a human being. There's, I don't feel the pleasure. I have to earn that pleasure. And when a job is like that, these are two different perspectives of jobs. And what I hope for you is that you're the first one. I hope that when you do your tasks and the way that you do them and you realize the evangelistic value of them and the church value of them, that you will feel God's pleasure. But the last thing to say about this is you have a job that allows you to take care of yourself and your loved ones. You see that in verse 11 because this is the other side of this. Aspire aspire to live quietly. Mind your affairs. Be able to take care of your stuff and to work with your hands as we instructed you. The work you do should enable you to take care of your own business. You should be able to pay your way. The church does exist to take care of its members. There's no doubt about it, and the Thessalonian church was doing a great job of that. But here's the thing if a member cannot take care of themselves, the church should help. But if a member can but won't, the church should not help. You need to not only not be a burden, but you need to be a contributor. But here's the thing, and I'm this to Malina, so So here's Abby. She's, gonna, she's thinking child life because she wants to work at a children's hospital like that. You won't make a million dollars. There's other people who will make more, and they'll be able to do more, and that's just so sad, right? That's just so sad. That's the reality. But what that means is this. Make sure your obligations are fewer than theirs. Make sure your financial things that you have to take care of are less than other people's. You can have a job that takes care of those obligations, but you must must be careful that your obligations stay within your range of being able to take care of them. That's just a reality. There's going to be doctors working at Laboner that will make a lot of money and be able to do a lot of things and have those five cars or whatever and all that, and they can do it because they've got it. And you know what? They're in the flow too. They are doing what God wanted them to do. You're going to be over here making less. And unless you marry a millionaire, and I'm all for that, But unless you marry a millionaire, what that means is you've got to be a little more careful. But if you have to be more careful so that you can do this job that pleases God, that benefits people, and that is in your flow, in your area of passion, do it. Do it. And it's worth it. That's God's perspective. You might not hear that in a lot of places because most people will tell you make a bunch of money. I can tell you this, you will probably meet more non-Christian people at your job than you will anywhere else. You will probably meet and interact with people in some basis more on your job than anywhere else. And so what you do there matters almost more than anywhere else. Let's live a life that is so contented, that is so engaged, that is so passionate that people can't help but see how your faith impacts what you do, because that's what people who are unbelievers are going to see the most. And then it enables you to be able to do the work of the church, because now you're able to contribute to it. Those are the things Paul would say about your occupation. Again, that's not the most thrilling kind of sermon you can ever hear in your life. But I'm telling you with the angst I'm seeing with people about trying to figure out what they need to do with their lives, you need to hear a word from God. You need to hear what he has to say about it. You need to know that God has more concerned about you than about the amount of money you're going to make. He has to do with your soul and your spirit and your entire being. And God wants you to be his, and he's going to bless you. He's given you something, and he wants you to use it. So use it. And bless the world through it. If there's anything we can do for you this morning spiritually, if there's, a, 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 there's, if there's anyone here who's just on the verge of thinking, I want to live the Christian life, and I want to put myself under the dominion, the authority, the lordship of Christ, this morning it's a great time to do it. Once you do, however, let me warn you, once you do, everything comes under the umbrella of him, including the job that you do, and the work that you do, and how you parent, and how you are a child. And If you're ready to make that decision and you haven't already, we'd love to see you make it as we stand and as we sing.